Have you ever listened to kids pray? They can pray uh, uh, amazing prayers and they're so honest in it. And I think sometimes as we grow older, we get a little jaded and all those kinds of things. But kids, man, it's just great. So my grandson, and I know I tell stories about him all the time. He's my source of inspiration now. I just watch him. But uh, sometimes we'll be praying for a meal. And you know, those, those simple prayers, you know, and you're trying to teach kids how to pray, you know. God is great, God is good, thank you for the food, you know. Now I lay me down to sleep, we have all those things. And sometimes around a meal, I'll, I'll pray. And, and usually, you know, it's one of those, Lord, thank you for this food, thank you for this day. Uh, God, we just pray that you'd bless us. You know, we gotta do those, those quick prayers. And uh, it's so funny with my grandson, I'll go, Lord, thank you for this food, and he'll just go, amen. <laughs> and, and he doesn't say it, but there's kind of a, that's enough. We're hungry. Let's get to the food here, you know. I love that uh, about kids. It's just there's this honesty. And then you think, it's like, well, how much do we have to pray for food? Can't we just thank God and go on from there? It's like, I think he knows something. But again, for us as adults, we, we walk through times and seasons, and maybe we're not even quite sure what prayer is. We're not quite sure what it does, what it accomplishes. And so we think, you know, I, I don't really know how to pray. And I always challenge people, do you know how to have a conversation with someone? Well, yeah. It's like, well, all we're doing is having a conversation with God. We're in this relationship with him and he, he invites us to connect with him and to communicate with him as he desires to speak into our hearts and our lives. And yet when it comes to prayer, we kind of hold it as kind of this, this funny thing, right? Because we'll even tell people, hey, hey, I'm gonna pray for you. And then the question is, but do we really? Or is that just kind of a nice thing to say, and it should challenge us to be careful with our words and careful with our commitments. And we probably all know things in our lives that we, we should be praying about, we should be bringing to God, but then the question is, uh, do we really do it? And the Bible tells us to pray for one another, and uh, I know I need prayer, I'm sure you need prayer, do we pray for one another? And it's not like you have to pray for every single person by name who's in this room. But are there people you, you lift up in prayer? And the reason we need it, of course, is to connect our hearts with God. But the reason we pray for one another is because life is hard. Life is challenging. You think of all the arenas, family and work and school and relationships, and then you get finances and the economy and emotions and feelings and our, our health, all those things roll together. And so man, more than ever, we need to be praying for one another. And as we're in there in, in Ephesians, we started this series last week, the Apostle Paul's letter challenges us to do just that. In fact, Paul kind of models it for us. He's the example for what this could look like. Last week, we began diving into this rich letter and Paul challenging and encouraging and reminding. Remember, he was speaking to a, this church in this interesting area and he was challenging them that they would live as one in this place of unity because they have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. I mean, it just kind of goes through all these different things, but they're also one family together. And so there's so much we can learn from this kind of personal letter that he writes because not only was Paul writing to some people 2,000 years ago, Paul was actually writing, he may not even recognize this, but by God himself and by the Holy Spirit, he's writing the letter to us. And so we can read it and kind of learn from it and take from it and see how personal it is for us 
as well. Well, last year, we, or last year, last week, we did something that we don't do very often, and I want us to do it again. So I want you to stand with me, and uh, we're going to read Ephesians 1, uh, 15 through 17. Some of you have your Bibles out there, that's fine. We're also going to put it up here on the screen. And I want us just to speak these words together, because there's something that happens when out of my mouth come the words of God, and I hear them, and I speak them. And I don't know about you, but something connects differently from my head to my heart when I engage in this. So let's read this together. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Jesus, would you be our teacher today? Not me, not anything else, but would you teach us? And when we leave here in just a few minutes, God, that we would be stronger, we would grow deeper in you because of our time together. We thank you in your name, amen. You can have a seat. So to back up a little bit, last week I shared with you that this church in Ephesus uh, was in Asia, Asia Minor, and so it sat at the crossroads of land and sea, so there was a, it was a busy port, but it was also all the trails and pathways and roads that led to other areas, and so in this city where East kind of met West, there was a whole conglomeration of different cultures that came together and blended together. All kinds of different things that were going on. Uh, different religions, different people groups, different philosophies, different ideologies. All those things came together in this melting pot of cultures. And in this culture, we're starting to show fractures and kind of splits as people brought these different viewpoints to the forefront. So different philosophies kind of ran head on with each other. And so there were disagreements that were going on. So within the city, there were, there were challenges that, that were happening as all these things came together. And one of the things that I, I reminded you of uh, last week was how similar that is to our culture today, right? Because we bring different philosophies and different ideologies in a melting pot around the world. And, and some of the diversity that we see is beautiful and wonderful, but some of the divisions and the fractures and the splinters that come in our culture become really difficult to navigate. Because people are inundated by messages and a thought process and a perspective and, again, an, an ideology that sometimes runs counter, oftentimes runs counter to, to what God says. And so how do we navigate all of that? How do we walk in the middle of all of those different things? And so last week, I kind of walked through three things with you that are so important. And these three things are to, number one, not lose your identity. And Paul reminds us who we are in Christ. And so he says, don't forget this. Don't forget who you really are. That your identity doesn't come from your job. Your identity doesn't come from what you accomplish or what you do uh, or kind of what level of success or failure you may even have. Your identity is grounded in Christ. So he says, hold on to that. The second thing is that you're chosen by God. 
that before God created the heavens and the earth, he selected you to be one of his children. Now we have a choice in that matter to accept him or reject him. But God says, I want you to be part of my family. And so we live, and that's part of our identity too, right? That we've been chosen by God. But it begins to shift and change our perspective. We know that God knows us and he calls us. And the third thing we looked at last week is that we've all been adopted into his forever family, into his eternal family. And that adoption is irrevocable. Like he's, he's not gonna turn his back on that. But he's got us in his hand. He designed us, he sees us, and he loves us. And so that was the kind of foundation for all that. And then Paul moves into this section where he prayerfully longs for these, these followers of Christ, including us today, to grow in our faith, to grow in love, to grow in wisdom, to grow in an understanding of the Father who loves us so much. It's almost like he's saying, I, I, I don't want you to be naive about this. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. That you just kind of engage in a religion. It's like, no, 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 no. There's something more. So I want you to hear the heart of the Father. I want you to hear what he has for you and what he's, what he's calling you into. And he does this for us individually, but also as a church. And I will tell you now, maybe more than ever, our world needs the church to be the church. Not a structure or a nonprofit organization, but the called out ones, that's what it means, the called out ones, to be light in a dark place, to speak hope and truth and encouragement. He's calling us to do those things, to live as one, one Lord, one faith, one family. So Paul lets them know he's praying for them and he sets this example for us to follow. So I'm gonna rewind again and, and we're gonna go back to where we started in, in Ephesians 1.15 and you're gonna see these, these three distinct prayers that he lays out in this passage. So he says this, ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord and your love of God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you and I pray for you constantly. And it's like, okay, well, well, what's he praying for? He says, I'm asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are rich and glorious, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So he lays out these three prayers and Paul says, this is what I'm praying for you for. And here's, here's our takeaway. These are prayers that we can actually pray into our own life. Saying, God, would you give me wisdom? God, would you establish your hope in me? God, would you let me realize your power? We can pray those for ourselves, but we can also pray those for one another. And that's the challenge in that. That's actually what unifies our hearts together. So today I'm gonna to give you three prayers that come from this. And I want you to write these down. The first is this. God, give me wisdom so I can know you more. Give me wisdom so I can know you more. Now what is wisdom? Wisdom is more than just 
smarts. You know, sometimes in our culture, we, we associate wisdom with intelligence. But wisdom and, and intelligence don't necessarily go hand in hand. Because I'm going to just guess, some of us in this room know, know some people who are super smart and who are not wise at all, right? Some of you might even say, I'm pretty smart and I've done some pretty dumb things in my life, right? We haven't acted or lived in a wise way. But wisdom is also more than just experience that we've learned over time. Now that's one way you can look at wisdom. Like someone who's lived a long life and it's like, can, can we learn from what you've learned over the years? Can we kind of learn from your wisdom? And, and there is some truth to that. But when the Bible talks about wisdom, we're talking about seeing and knowing things in kind of God's economy, how God sees things, how God knows things. So there are things that our culture tells us, is like, no, no, it's perfectly fine. And God says, that's not the way you were designed. And he gives us a different way of living and a different way of responding, a different way of thinking, a different perspective. That's godly wisdom. And so Paul comes here, and, and look, at, look at verse 17 again. He says, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? So you can grow in your knowledge of God. It shifts something on the inside of us. It changes how we approach life and situations. We begin to know God more because there's this wisdom and insight that he is beginning to reveal in us. This is when we choose God's way over our way. Then we choose his truth over the truth of this world. And I'll tell you, anytime in scripture you see anything about wisdom, for me, it always reminds me of Solomon. And Solomon was considered the wisest man ever. And there was a situation where God came to Solomon and asked him, what is it that you, you want? He was the king, he was the son of King David. And he asked for wisdom. In fact, in 1 Kings, I wanna read this to you. He says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for, here were the other options, a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. Now, isn't that interesting, the different things we could choose? Now, I know God's not a genie in a bottle kind of a thing, but if, like, if God came and said, what is it that you would like? Yeah, what would you answer? It's like, well, you could have a long life. That's pretty good. You'd want good health to go with it, right? You want those things together. You could ask for wealth, which is kind of the number one thing that people ask for. Like if you could dream of anything, if you could have a wish, you know, if you could have just unlimited wealth, like that would be great, right? That's what people want. I always think the third option is an interesting one, or the death of your enemies. Some of you are going, ah, I never thought about that one, but that one could work. Because some of you have some enemies that you'd just like to get taken out right now. And like, he's going to solve that problem for you. But he says, you didn't ask for any of those things. Instead, you asked for wisdom. So here's what he says. So I will give you a wise and understanding heart, such as no one has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. 
No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Now this is Solomon. And yet I wonder when Paul was writing this letter saying, I'm praying that God would give you spiritual wisdom and insight if if he wasn't thinking of Solomon a little bit. That he's saying, you know, I'm constantly thanking God for you and I'm praying that God would give you this wisdom because I know what you're facing. I know the challenges that are ahead of you. I know the discouragement that you sometimes feel as you're in this culture with all these splinters and fractures and you're getting pulled this way and that. And he says, listen, what I want is I want you to grow in the knowledge of God so that you can endure and stand strong in the faith I want you to grow in this wisdom. That's one of the reasons why when Paul writes his letters, not just this one, but all the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, he follows a similar pattern. He begins by telling us about the inner life. He begins to tell us about our faith and our belief and who Christ is and who God is and what he's done for us and how we can live in freedom and in grace and how we've been forgiven. He he goes into all these deeper things of of our spiritual and internal life. And then the later half of of nearly all of his letters, he goes into the practical side. And it's like he's saying this, and you actually literally see the division in his letters. Because it'll be something like this. Now that you know these things, when it comes to your marriage, live like this. When it comes to your parenting, live like this. When it comes to children looking at your parents, this is how you operate. When it comes to your neighbors, when it comes to people who, who kind of come against you, when it comes to conflict, when it comes to the workplace. I mean, he goes into all of these real life practical things. And I know our tendency is to go, just, just cut to the chase. Just give me what am I supposed to do, right? How am I supposed to act? What am I supposed to say? How am I supposed to live? A lot of us really want that. But Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. If you simply try to act your way into faith, you're going to struggle every single time because you're trying to force yourself to live and act in certain ways. He said, but if you will let your heart and soul be changed. If you will come to a knowledge and an understanding of who Christ is and what he's done in you, things begin to shift in here that will begin to change your actions and your attitudes. So when he's praying, he's praying for these Ephesians and he's praying for us today that you would grow in spiritual wisdom and an insight so that you can know the Father so that you can understand who he is and what he's done for you. Let it build and strengthen that relationship together. And then he says, man, you need to be praying this for one another. You need to be lifting up the people around you. Because I'm telling you, parents, you need to be praying this for your kids. If you're in here and you're a student and you're looking at your parents going, I don't know what's going on there, You need to pray this prayer for your parents, that they would have wisdom, understanding who God is. Your coworkers, your boss, your friends and your neighbors, be praying that they would understand and know who God really is. And I wonder what would happen in our culture today if instead of trying to argue or debate or somehow convince everyone that they're wrong and I'm right, we begin simply to pray for them 
that God would give them wisdom to understand who he really is. I wonder what would change in our connections and our relationship and our very culture. That's the first prayer. The second one is this, write it down. God, help me understand the hope that you give. Help me understand the hope that you give. Look at verse 18, Ephesians 1. He says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those that he has called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. He says, I so want your hearts to be flooded with light. And light in scripture is always about understanding and truth. Why? So that you can see this hope that we have in Christ. You can see your way through your current circumstances and you realize, oh, God's got a plan that he's working out. Man, he goes, I so want you to understand and see something more in this. I love this picture of being flooded with light because it's not... It's not so that every single thing in our lives becomes so crystal clear and that we would know every decision we have to make along the way. I don't think that's what Paul's getting at. He prays that we would have spiritual light to understand the hope and the future that we have in Jesus. It would be clarity around following him, surrendering outcomes to him and trusting him. He said, I pray that that would be illuminated in your life so that you can see your way through. So I'm in the middle of um, remodeling a bathroom at our house and I'm in the demo phase, which is a lot of fun, right? Um, I had my grandson over the other day and I gave him a hammer and a pneumatic um, chisel. He's five years old. And I know right now you're praying for me that I would have wisdom not to put tools into the hands of five-year-olds. But man, he worked with me all, all day. But we were, we were pulling out the vanity cabinet, you know? And, and so it was under there. And if you know anything about how that works, there are screws in there screwing your, your cabinets into the studs and the walls. And so I was looking for him and I was on my back and I'm looking up and I've got the screw gun and I'm trying to get it in. Of course, it was too dark under there. So I had this moment where it was like, I need a flashlight. You know how hard it is to get under a bathroom cabinet? And I'm just, I'm just gonna admit it straight out. It's an age thing. So I made, like, uh, get it out and grunts and grows, went to, the, went to the garage, got the flashlight, got back underneath there, put that flashlight on and guess what? I can see where the screws are. I can see what needs to happen. I can see where everything is, needs to go and where it needs to come out. Everything lit up and clear because of the light. See, the murkiness that we often face is because we forget who's the giver of hope. And when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we can be assured of our place and our identity in him. We don't have to find ourselves. We don't have to discover ourselves because we are in him, that we're sons and daughters of the almighty king. And that's the light that begins to flood our soul that we were created and designed by him and for him. And that's why we're gonna take just a moment here. And we're gonna take a moment to pause. And we're almost done with this message. I'm gonna come back and say a couple more things. But I want us to slow down. And I want us to remember who he is. Remember what he has done for us. And let that be the light that, that triggers hope 
in our, in our very souls. So if you've got your communion thing here, I want you to get that ready, but let me just tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna do something a little bit different. I'm gonna pray just a brief prayer. And then we're actually gonna be quiet for a moment. And I know there's a little bit of awkwardness in that, especially when you're in a group when there's, when there's quiet. And I'm gonna come back at the end of that. But, but just, just for a few moments, I'm gonna just let there be quiet. And here's the reason for that. The Bible tells us that when we come and remember through communion what Christ has done, that we don't do it flippantly, that we don't do it like, oh yeah, here's another little thing we do. No, no, no. We come into this holy moment and we do it prepared, which means in a moment of quiet, we ask God to reveal to us things that need to be corrected, things that need to be confessed, areas where we need to simply come clean and find his forgiveness. And you may have come in today with just a bunch of stuff and you're busy and all that, but the Lord brought you here to this moment to quiet your heart. And you may have to say, you know, God, I need to confess that to you and ask for your forgiveness. You can come with a clean heart to this communion. So let me pray and then we'll have just a moment of quiet. Father, thank you for your gift of Jesus to us to bring life and forgiveness and freedom. And Lord, in this moment when we remember, we wanna come to this, this holy place, this holy moment, clean before you. And so Lord, as we enter into this moment of silence and quiet, I pray God that you would bring to mind, bring to our heart those things we need to confess and own and come clean on. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that covers us. In your name, amen. When Jesus gathered with his followers, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Would you eat this with me? Then Jesus took the cup and he blessed it and said, this is the blood of a new covenant, blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. I want us to sing the chorus of that last worship song. It's called Gratitude. And these powerful words, you know, I'll throw up my hands and praise you again and again. And let this just be our anthem today, our, our words of, of hope. Sing this with me. So I'll throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
much I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Hallelujah Hallelujah Do it again So I'll throw up my hands And praise you again and again And all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much Nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Amen. Amen. Let me give you one more thing and we're going to close. This is our third prayer. Did you write it down? God, help me realize the greatness of your power. Help me realize the greatness of your power. I think we often underestimate the power that God has for us. And this isn't some kind of like Marvel Universe superhero power. This is the power for living. It's a power of grace. It's a power of, of holy living in a world that wants to tear us apart. God says, I am with you and I will empower you and strengthen you to live in such a way that is obedient and honoring to me. And I'm telling you, when we do that, it begins to shift and change our environment. Listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians 1.19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that resurrected Jesus is the same power that's available for us. And it's the Holy Spirit at work in us. And as Paul was writing this letter from prison, his heart was aching because he couldn't be with his friends. He couldn't see them. He couldn't be with them. He couldn't, he couldn't speak and reach out to them, but he so desperately wanted them to live in strength and power, not their own, but the power of God. And so know this today, I'm praying for, for you. I'm praying for this church family that you would experience God's wisdom to grow in your knowledge of God. In the midst of a world that's trying to pull you in a thousand directions, you would stay strong in him. I'm praying that your hearts would be illuminated, flooded with light, that you would understand the hope we have in Christ. And I'm praying that you would realize, just like Paul said, that the power of God's spirit is within you. And you have access to him for strength and wisdom and understanding and guidance and direction and so much more. So as I close, let me just say this. I know some of you may be sitting here going, Dave, I'm kind of new to new life. I'm kind of, you know, maybe this is my first or, you know, early times coming to church. I don't need, I'm still trying to figure out this whole God thing. And I don't even know that I've made a commitment yet to this, this prayer of Paul. Well, you know, whatever. It doesn't really have a whole lot to do with me. Can I just tell you something? You need to know that one of the reasons that you're here today is not just because a friend invited you. It's not because, you know, you're going through something and thought, you know, I need to find a church somewhere. I mean, those can all play a part. But one of the reasons you're here is that somebody has already been praying for you. Did you know that? 
Some of you go, well, no, 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 not me. Yes, we've been praying for you. Maybe not by name, but you have family and friends who I'm telling you have prayed for you. And one of the reasons you walked through that door today is not because you're a puppet on a string. It's not that kind of a thing. But someone has been lifting you up in prayer. And so you are not an accident. You are not just a happenstance. Someone has prayed for you. So several years ago, before we built this building, we were over uh, in our North uh, Auditorium there. And as we were planning and preparing for this, one of the things that we just felt God saying so clearly is pray for the people who will one day come here, who will one day walk through these doors that they could experience and know Jesus Christ. And so some of you were here, some of you weren't here, but we handed all these cards out and people began to write the names of friends and family that they wanted to see experience the freedom and joy that comes in Christ. They wanted them to be set free and come to eternal life. Someone did that, wrote those names. And we had thousands of names and we put them all in a box. And we came out here one Sunday and we dug a hole right in the middle. I mean, we had this, the foundation wasn't in yet. All of the, uh, you know, underground stuff and conduit and cabling and all those things. All this stuff was in here. There was rebar that was laid and tied. And we dug a hole and we, and we put those names, we put that box in the foundation of this building. In fact, I'm standing over it right about now. And you know what's amazing to me? Some of you sitting in here, some of you watching online, your name's in that box. Your name is in that box. Because someone knew you, and someone loved you, and someone cared about you, and they prayed for you. That's why this is so crucial and important, that we're praying for wisdom and hope, and God's strength and power and understanding. And then we get to pray that for one another to see God do what only God can do. And he invites us to come along with him. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you today that you've got us, that you hold us, that you know us. And you've got a future and a plan, a hope for us that you are working out. And I pray that we would grow in wisdom and we would grow in strength and we would grow in your power and your knowledge, not for our own benefit, but for you, God. That we can follow you close. We thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to encourage you as you go out into real world, right? Life and home and family and work and school. That you'd be praying that God would give you wisdom and hope and power. And you'd be praying that for one another as well. Hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Go in the goodness and grace of God today.